Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Good Health. I'm your host, David Maloof, and you have entered Doc's Herbal Corner. Okay, so which herb are we going to talk about today? Well, the beautiful thing about medicinal herbs is we have a whole planet full of herbs. And someone could literally take an encyclopedia of herbs, just open it up, and just pick a random herb, and, oh, well, that looks interesting. Hmm. I'm just going to pretend that you didn't click the link, because you you actually know what herb we're going to talk about, because, you know, you saw the thumbnail, you saw the link. All right, I'm not tricking anyone, but let's just pretend that I know something that you don't. So, to help us with today's mystery herb is the one and only... Dr. Stephen Tates. So Doc is a naturopath and a master herbalist, and he knows a whole lot of things about herbs because he has over half a century of herbal medicine experience. So I suspect Doc knows a thing or two about today's mystery herb. So let's jump right in. Okay, Doc, what herb are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about pyogenum root. Pyogenum root. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Pyogenum. How do you spell that? P-Y-G-E-U-M. All right. Pyogenum root. All right. Uh, So, so Doc, what is, what is pyogenum root? It's the tree bark and the roots of what they call the African cherry tree. Okay. Because pyogenum is a bun, you know, the African cherry trees, I need to rephrase that, are in abundance in Central and West Africa. Okay. And, and the, uh, the root and the bark, you know, is, is nicknamed pyogenum, you know. And, uh, and so it comes from an actual tree. Some people think that all herbs are just, you know, plants or flowers that grow in the grass. But, you know, many of your trees... You know, the bark of the tree or the root of the tree can have some very strong medicinal qualities to it. And we're talking about uh, centuries of studies in Africa and in China that deal with plants and herbs. So there's a long, long historical list of uh, effective, you know, roots and herbs and box. And the pyogenum is part of that bitter herb family that we have talked about in previous podcasts. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Dr. Tate's Herbal Tinctures and Tonics. Dr. Tate's offers the Herbal Blood Tonic, Doc's Detox, Herbal Male Tonic, Herbal Female Tonic, and the Herbal Fat Burner. If you would like to order your tonics or learn more information, you can go to drtates.online. And if you click the link in the description and enter the special promo code Adventures in Good Health 2024, you will receive 10% off your entire order. For more information, click the links below. And now back to the show. Podcast. Well, as soon as you said it's a root and a bark, I was like, oh, it's got to be a bitter. Got to be a bitter. Got to be a bitter. Yeah. And as a bitter, 
It also helps with inflammation as well, which we have discussed in the past. You know? so yes. It falls into the bitter family. It's like a relative of some of the burdock and gentians we've talked about. It's different and has different effects, but it's still part of the bitter family. Okay, so all right, so it comes out of parts of Africa. Mm-hmm. It's part of the African cherry tree. Cherry tree. Uh-huh. Cherry tree. Uh, it's a bitter, and it's anti-inflammatory. So why would someone take? Why would someone take uh, IgM root? Well, we take it because um, one is nourishing, but more importantly than that. It reduces inflammation, which will help with the blood flow, will help with the circulation. And when you're reducing swelling and inflammation in the body, then the blood flow is better. The urinary tract and glandular flow is better. And pygium is particularly used for what is called for BPH, which is benign prosthetic hyperplasia, which in simple English means that the prostate is swollen. And, but the okay. prostate becomes swollen. In a large prostate. In large prostate. But not cancerous. It's it's a benign enlarged prostate. It's a li- benign enlarged prostate, which first starts with affecting the kidneys. Okay. Okay. So um, um, the uh, pyogenium root helps with that inflammation and swelling in the kidneys, and then between, you know, reducing the inflammation in the kidneys, which help with that fluid flow better, then the pyogenium also will help in reducing the inflammation and the breakdown of the prostate. So between the kidneys and the prostate, you're going to have good flow going, you know. But it, it always starts with the kidneys because people who have prostate problem, you know, don't, understand or know that it's the kidneys. Then it's the prostate. Yeah. You know, we talked about it's all early. connected. Yeah, it absolutely. So the things <clears throat> you do for the kidneys, which we covered earlier, the things you do for the kidneys has a direct effect on the prostate. So prostate problems, you know, us as naturalists will look at well, you had a prostate problem. Let's see what's happening with your kidneys. And other people say, but it's my prostate. I've been told it was my prostate that is inflamed. And if I don't do something about it, my PSA numbers are going to go up and then it's going to develop into cancer, which it can because stuff is clogged and not moving. But I said, but it came from the kidney problem. And I have to educate people that if the kidneys is flowing, filtering, doing its job, you know, which means you have to eat a certain way and do certain things, which we've covered earlier, then the the prostate's going to function fine as a whole. But one leads to another. Okay. <laughs> so when the kidneys break down, the prostate's going to be next. So if someone has... <clears throat> Excuse me. If someone has uh, an enlarged prostate that's benign, uh-huh. you know they could take the pygam root 
Is, yeah. is this something they would walk into an herbal store and see it in the form of shavings or a powder? Is it a capsule? You'll see it more the roots itself, you know, uh, or more in capsules. And it's probably okay. easier to consume in capsule form, you know, um, you know, you know, high milligrams, maybe, you know, three or 4,000 milligrams, you know, depending on your condition, because to get it in a bark form or tree form and boil it and make a tea, you may probably only drink it once <laughs> because, okay. that, because that taste is going to be like, not me. It was uh, like, oh, ooh, okay. All right. But is this a something that someone would take on a consistent basis or only when they've been told they have a they have a problem? It's something you take on a consistent basis, you know? Even whether <clears throat> you have a problem or not, definitely if you have a problem, pyogema is one of those things you need to look at. There are other things that we covered before or we will cover in the future, but we're on pyogema. So it can be a preventive but also help in the the body trying to heal itself because of what it does for the kidneys. And then because the kidneys are stronger and it's filtering better, then the prostate's going to be next. And, and, And the reason why you hear me say this, David, is that when you're taking something for the body, like hygiene or certain foods and stuff like that, or water even, the body is going to direct this stuff to the area of most need. Now, the pygeum root is going to have an effect on the kidneys first, and as the kidneys get stronger and the urinary tract system gets stronger, then it's going to move to its first cousin, which is the prostate. You know, but if the kidneys are not filtering and inflamed, that backup of stuff that's stuck in the kidneys backs up through the tubes that is connected to the prostate and then contributes to the clogging of the prostate. So one leads to another, okay? You're not drinking enough water, and that kidneys become dehydrated, then that water that would have flowed through the kidneys that would flow to the prostate that would help the prostate because water is one of those things you need, you know, first for your prostate. It doesn't get because the kidneys is not getting the water. Or if the kidneys are weak and you're drinking water, uh, the kidneys may take all that water and leave nothing for the prostate. So, all right. So when you're not getting that, then the pyogene won't work as well because there's not enough water moisture and not enough movement. So, I mean, it kind of, just thinking about the pygeum root, uh, it seems to have some strong benefits. Uh-huh. But, you know, I, it's not a common knowledge herb. Uh, is it, or, or maybe, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm in the wrong circles, but I would say in general, it's not, it's not in, something that's in, on the tip of the tongue of most people. Uh, it comes out of Africa. It's... Uh-huh. You're saying that it's been used for centuries. Yes, in Africa. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Does medical science have has have they looked at it? Have they have they studied it? I don't think so. And the reason why I say that is because in a, in a medical science community, very few herbs are examined and tested. You know, they'll say, "Well, you know, there is no uh, medical proof." A pyogenium being effective. Well, you've never researched it, so you, how you're going to know, you know, how it's going to work. But that's not always been true because with other herbs like um, valerian was a herb that was researched, and they came up with valium, valiums, um, digitalis for foxglove, um, you know, penicillin came from research on garlic, not molded bread. That was an old wives' tale, you know. So uh, there were a lot of herbs that were used, you know, early on in mixtures with chemical medicine or research. Like there's a cancer treatment that came from studying uh, the yew tree, the tree, the bark, and the root right. that grows in the northern part of America, like up in, you know, Seattle, Portland, Oregon kind of areas, you know, is popular there. So there's always been more of a marriage in research between plants and herbs and medical approaches to things for a long, long time. Some herbs was actually mixed with medical things, medical uh, substances, less now than before, you know, because a lot of things have become more synthetic. But it's been a long-standing history, and so then when I hear people say, "Well, you know, herbs are not effective," and I've got a long list of research on herbs that was done by the medical profession, and and copied in order to to make you know make what they're doing more effective. It's like um, milk of magnesia. Well, milk of magnesia came from researching magnesium and the effects of magnesium. And they came up with Book of Magnesia. So there's okay. always been that marriage. So it's so there is. I mean, so medical science will look at certain herbs. They will. Uh, I just couldn't find a whole lot on uh, Pygium, and it's it seems like a lost opportunity. But maybe that's well, I'm getting conspiracy theories. But I do wonder if that's such an accident. Well, you have to understand, and uh, you know. I work with a lot of medical doctors, and you know, right. and they are. Um, and the reason why I'm able to do that because I never do an either or kind of thing. You know, it's my way or no way, and they're right. not that deep that way either. So we'll sit down, you know, have a cup of tea and compare notes. You know, so, you know, and sometimes they will. Um, they'll say, "Well, you know." I've got this that, uh, this, that, and that going on in my body, and I'm taking these medications. What do you recommend for some herbs? Now, these are medical doctors that I'm mm -hmm. talking to. And then I have my own doctors I've mentioned before, and he's like, they always make me laugh when he said, Doc, we're going to check everything. So we get yeah. my blood work and everything. People say, well, you know, you're healthy. You know, why are you doing it? I said, well, I'm 72 now, you know. And one of the things is that I, I don't ever want to be blindsided. Even with everything I'm doing, you know, I want to be able to check in case some numbers are creeped up 
you know, for some family hereditary issues or, you know, something else going on, and I can nip it in the bud early, I'm about checking. So, you know, there's always should right. be that blend. And there still is to a greater greater degree than most people understand. All right. Doc, are there certain people who should refrain uh, or who would be at greater risk uh, who should not take hygiene route? Uh, children. Okay. Uh, women who are pregnant, women who are breastfeeding. Okay. Okay. Um, that's it for the most part, you know, because it's not an herb that is very unsensitive, you know, very sensitive to most people because one is high in antioxidants, which helps with the free radicals. Mm-hmm. You know, with the free radicals now, I'm going to inject something because we hear antioxidants that help, you know, uh, deal with free radicals. But there's free radicals to up to a certain degree. It's helpful to the body. It's just when too many free radicals is going on in the body, which breaks down the DNA and cellular structure, then we need to do the antioxidant. So the antioxidants help with the immune system, okay? The uh, pain and inflammation from urinary tract issues, the pyogenium will help with, you know? So it helps with that, you know, uh, stimulates that, that blood flow and cuts down on that pain and stuff. But Pyogenium, it's still within certain circles where people who study different herbs and look at stuff will know about pyogenium rooms, especially, you know, men that have prostate issues and they're looking for alternatives. And, you know, they run across pyogenium room and they might take it with a combination of other stuff. The average person doesn't know about this, but I wanted on our blogs to introduce people to new things. You know, I mean, you know, there, there's a whole world of uh, medicinal herbs it, you know, that people don't know about. It's not just about garlic and cayenne and, and cinnamon and stuff, which is good. It's expanding that knowledge base into other kinds of things that I want, you know, people to be aware of. All right, well... If I'm going to be an herb geek, I got to step up my game. So I like that uh, herb herb adding, geek. I herb geek. I mean, I'm yeah. an aspiring herb geek. Okay. Well, no, no. I I have a better terminology for All right. you. Okay. Okay. Um, a healing scientist. A healing scientist. All right. Well, science. Science. It sounds like I am starting my journey mm-hmm. in that yeah. direction. So uh, from uh, now every journey on, starts with your first step. Now, 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 audience, from now on, Dave is going to be referred to as a healing scientist. Oh. Scientists research things. David All researches right. things. I'm researching. I'm researching. I'll so, just say researching at this point. So I've given you a new title. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, Doc. Okay, Doc, great conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, appreciate you sharing your knowledge and your wisdom with our audience. Thank you for having me. All right, Doc. Thank you very much. Uh, that closes the book on another episode of Doc's Herbal Corner. Thank you very much. And to my audience, thank you for watching. Thank you for commenting and for liking. And thank you very much for hitting that button 
pretty much right about there. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, the subscribe button. I need you to hit it, please. Thank you. All right. So until next week, this is David Maloof signing off, exploring natural approaches to good health. That does it for this episode of Adventures in Good Health. We would like to hear from you regarding this podcast and any suggestions you have for future podcasts. Please subscribe and leave a rating or a review.